Hello, and welcome to the Public Policy Committee Meeting Podcast, Politics for Non-Political People. The views, opinions, and content of the show host and their guests appearing on the Charlotte Area Chamber podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect those opinions of the Charlotte Area Chamber, its owners, and its partners. Well, welcome to the uh, Public Policy Committee meeting. I'm Brian Halliday, and I'm here with the committee, and Larry Shaheen is our guest. And we're going to talk about a recap of yesterday's election from a local perspective. Um, when you talk politics, you're either talking one of two things. One is you're talking policy, laws, ordinances, the, uh, the making of the sausage, as they say. And that's the stuff I love. I love local politics, uh, getting in ordinances, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And then there's the game aspect of it. The and election. this is this is what most people participate in politics. This is the election, this is the competition, this is the us versus the them, the strategies. Uh, it is the Michigan versus Michigan State. Yep. It is North Carolina oh, versus, such, I know. You're so mean to me. North Carolina, it's like, it's the rah-rah, the, the, the Duke, versus, uh, Duke versus Carolina, the competition, the, the, all that kind of stuff. And that is primarily where most politics is. Uh, it is an entertainment format if you watch uh, political news. Um, it's not really about the policy stuff. So we're going to focus today more on the game and some of those who won, aspects. Who lost, who won, yeah. who won. And some of the things like the strategies that go into how uh, these campaigns happen. And then talk about what, what, what does this mean. So in the city of Charlotte, we did not have an election this year for the first time uh, in the history of having odd year elections. Um, like going back like 50 years. And that's because the um, uh, census was delayed, um, and it depends if you're talking policy or the game. If it was, it's either delayed because of Biden or Trump, or it was delayed because of COVID. So the answer is in there somewhere. But reality is that the census was delayed, and uh, redistricting got delayed, and the state of North Carolina gave municipalities that have districts, like Charlotte, the option of kicking back their election. Uh, which is a little controversial in itself, but because Charlotte is not overly controversial, it wasn't really that controversial at all. So we just uh, extended our elected officials uh, a half year of their term, and so uh, they did not run this year. But every other town, all six towns in Mecklenburg County and a lot of the surrounding areas did uh, have elections. And so uh, most of them are pretty boring. Yep, but a couple of them were kind of interesting, and we'll kind of go through it a little bit and talk about the most interesting one, which is in Huntersville. Yep, Huntersville had a mayor's race, uh, open seat for the first time uh, in about, about four terms, probably eight years. No, um, it's been longer than that. Has it been longer? No, than that? the last mayor was Jill Swain. She got unseated by Annarella, oh. and then Swain held that position for fourteen years. So. That was a long, and then before that, it was another lady, Jill. No, no, I mean, I'm not. Something or other. I can't go back past anyway, anyway, so yeah, no, it was, uh, th- this was the first open race in, in almost 20, almost 20 years. So it was, uh, it was a real barn burner, <laughs> if you want to call it that, between a uh, former mayor who was unseated and the mayor pro tem. So Jill Swain used to be mayor. She lost to John Anarillo. Over the toll road. And the toll road, and they just, um, Jill Swain was more um, center-right, uh, unless you talk to John Anarilla, who beat her. 
uh, he would just call her center center. Um, oh, she's no, no I, I would say center left. But all right, we can go with center center. We can go with center center. That's fine. Anything in the center is center. I mean, is so um, she's not affiliated now. But yeah, so. but they had a um, uh, disagreement on um, kind, of, kind of the way that the city should run. And John Anarillo won. And not only did John Anarillo win that campaign, but a lot of the council members won that campaign. So John Anarillo is not running for re-election, and Jill Swain stepped up to run the net and then the mayor pro tem mm-hmm. uh was also there and then that race uh, was interesting because swain had the lead uh in early voting no melinda had the lead by a very little margin but um bales won because of her name recognition and because she had such a if you look at the margin of victory in her home precinct which was 134 and the, the margin of victory overall, the race was actually neck and neck throughout most of it. Uh, Jill did much better in absentee early voting, which means that she had an organization. So when you look at the absentee early votes, most of the time if you go after absentee early votes, that requires, in North Carolina, you are no longer allowed to um, mail or contact absentee voters. Used to be in North Carolina, you could request a list of uh, voters and you could come in and mail those voters and actually get them to follow up and call them and do that. You're not allowed to do that anymore. However, you can get people to request it, and then when you know that they've requested it because you worked with them to request it, you can follow up with them because you already have the name. So that means that her win, in her, it was a two-to-one margin in absentee early vote. So when you look at that two-to-one margin in absentee early vote, it was, um, it, it was an interesting setup because that was the absentee ballots. Jill had a huge lead. It was, it was 47 of 20-something. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, so Jill, yeah, yeah. Was the Jill was leading the absentees, but the early votes were for, were for the Melinda. Early, the early yeah, the I early not, votes were for Melinda. That. So Melinda won early vote, and then Melinda won on election day. So the way that the vote, for folks, who, like when you actually go on election night, you look at what the Mecklenburg County Board of Elections reports, the first numbers that come out between 730 and 745 are normally early votes. That includes early voting and absentee. And because they count, unlike in other states where you're not allowed to count absentee until the day of, we, North Carolina, the Board of Elections count everything up to the day of the election and then put those numbers to the state a few days, like a day or two before, because we end early voting two days before the election. So what winds up happening is that then all that's left to count is election day votes. That's why North Carolina is one of the, is one of the better states about that. The only reason an election goes longer than a day or two is when the election is very tight and they have absentees that come in because absentees can still continue to come in up to the day of the election and I think a few days after. But uh, the laws like, keep changing. Laws keep changing. I'm not quite sure where we are. Laws keep changing anymore. at this point. It used to be that it's it, going to change before the next election. It so used who to knows? be that it, it didn't matter when it arrived. It didn't matter what the postage Postmark on it. It had to be was. postmarked the day of the election. And so it didn't matter that. when it arrived, but it had to be postmarked the day of the election. It, now it's now it's, it has to be there three days or two days or they were trying ten to get, days. They're trying to get the day up. I don't know what I it don't is. Know. I don't know what it but, is. But um, so... Uh, but then also the, uh, the the town council. Town council was was a bit of a change. So you had um, most. I think I believe all the incumbents were running except for one. Right? Do I have that right? Yeah. So because um, we knocked off, we, none of the incumbents were knocked off. Oh, we had two open seats. That's right. We had. I, two, we had I emailed, yeah. I emailed, so I emailed Bill Russell, who is yeah. the Lake Norman chamber president, chamber and invited him, and he couldn't come because he had another meeting. And he said, "Here's what I think is going to happen." Phillips, Boone are going to come in first and second, followed by newcomers Rowell and former board member Kidwell. I got to think Lance Munzer 
uh, will get pushed back in by the Dems. It'll be interesting to see who gets the sixth spot. Kovaca, probably. Kovacs. Kovacs? Kovacs. Kovacs so went up second. Well, Stacey Phillips so, actually... So yeah. this, was, this was close, but way off. It was, it was close. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, is that in Huntersville... Well, and this is where elections are now being run digitally. Elections are, are, are so involved on social media that you have to have it as a part of your campaign. You know, it used to be an extra, you could do mail, you could do TV, you could do grassroots. But now digital has to be a component. You have to spend on digital because it's cheaper and it can most reach, efficient. it's most efficient. So digital has become a number one spend. So most of the time you'll see candidates start to do digital. The mayor of Huntersville, Melinda Bales, ran only digital ran no mail of any kind, but she also didn't have a grassroots operation, which led to the close margin, in my opinion. But the, the, the council members, all you know, the, the, the top two vote getters, Phillips and Kovacs, ran very strong digital campaigns. And then ultimately you had Dan Boone, who was an incumbent, also do some digital. So he came in third, and then Derek Partee, Lance Munger, and Rob Kidwell, oddly enough, Nick Walsh, who was an incumbent, was pushed off. And this, Huntersville and Cornelius showed a uh, somewhat, the reason when you had an incumbent lose in Huntersville and all four incumbents lose in Cornelius, which we'll talk about in a minute, was about development projects. Huntersville had approved a new town hall and approved some very controversial development projects in the city, in the core of the actual community. Those were very unpopular. So Nick Walsh was blamed for that. And Nick Walsh was the reason why he, he, was, he lost that race. Stacey Phillips did not support that. Amber Kovacs was part of the same Huntersville group. Um, I think, did Dan Boone vote for it or against it? I think he voted for it. Boone voted for it, but Boone spent like 20 grand of his own money. And then uh, <clears throat> Munger voted against it, I think. And then you had a couple others, but it was all about development. And Nick Walsh was primarily blamed for that. So Nick Walsh wound up coming off the board. So, and which, what's interesting about um, where Walsh was is that early voting, he was in fifth place. He was in fifth place. And, and election, election day, day, well, and that was because traditionally in North Carolina, Democrats vote early, Republicans vote on election day. That's starting to change. But tr most of the time you'll see early voting. I like to think, I actually say that early voting in some of the nonpartisan races, which are most of the municipalities, except for Charlotte, which is silly. Um, you, you actually will have a good sample size of the electorate, so you'll be able to, to, to get a sense of that because you're not having real party organizations pushing the turnout, except for in Huntersville, where there were Democrats actually pushing the turnout. So, because when yeah. it comes to these local elections, Republican and Democrat always matters. It always, always plays a role. Yeah. Everyone knows what it is. I say when it comes to politics, you're either a Republican or you're a Democrat, and if you claim to be neither, one will be assigned to you. Um, yeah. By others, <laughs> um, but uh, so, but but it's it also isn't the deciding factor because they become nonpartisan elections, and there's not this yep. ticketed stuff that happens. So local issues, especially when the, I mean these votes were down. What, what did um, what, what were the, these votes like under two thousand, right? Yeah, so it was like, three. It was three thousand votes, I think, for Stacey at the top. So, was that, so it was. It was not a huge amount of. So like these local issues really. Local issues really stuff. matter. You can get people angry. You piss off five hundred people, you're going to get unelected. So I mean, it can make a. It can. It can make a difference. Like in Cornelius, let's shift and move to Cornelius now. Cornelius in, uh, actually had all of the five incumbents, four who voted for some controversial development projects, got kicked off the board. So you actually had a complete change in Cornelius. So Huntersville and Cornelius went from more of a pro-development to an anti-development. To an anti-development. 
uh, which isn't surprising because usually what that kind of flows back and, and there's pendulums and uh, once you see a lot of construction going in and people uh, kind of get jacked up of we don't want that here no matter what the what is right there's always that pushback so they they lost they flipped their entire board I did not realize yeah that. they flipped their entire board but no one challenged the mayor no one challenged the mayor so the mayor now the but but here's the fun part the mayor endorsed all five incumbents so the mayor's about to have a rough go yeah Mayor's so, about to have a very rough day. So, yeah. But That's, Davidson's the opposite. Davidson's the opposite. All the incumbents went back on. Yeah. Well, there was actually uh, two open seats, and there were the incumbents endorsed them. So Davidson broke out. It was, th- th- their rivalry was a little bit more fun because they actually had names. Uh, I think there was called the Davidson Five. And then Save Davidson. And then Save Davidson. The Save Davidson group was a group from previous that was an anti-development group that overtook the board. And then slowly they've been pinged off. And then now this is a pro-development group mm-hmm. that just destroyed the anti-development oh, group. Which means that we should expect in about four to six years, yeah, they'll the all anti-development group will have enough steam to remove all these guys. Yeah, it, 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 it just swings back and forth. And then in Matthews, most of the incumbents won. And then you had, um, I think it was all incumbents who won. Cornel- in Huntman Hill, you had a, a, good, um, a good group, especially with newcomer Tawana Henderson, right? He was the first African-American commissioner elected to Mint Hill, which is going to be good for that community, I think. Um, and then, furthermore, you've got um, you know, some of the other locals. Craig Horn, former state legislator, yeah, so, mayor of Weddington. So here's the interesting thing. Like, no one wants to be mayor. No, no one wants to be mayor. <laughs> mayor doesn't get a vote. So for, Nine uh, times out of ten, the mayor just gets no vote on anything. I, so I got, I got this written down. So in... Uh, where is it? David... Davidson, Cornelius, Pineville, Matthews, Mint Hill, Concord, Kannapolis. No challenges for mayor. No. Uh, but, as you just mentioned, former uh, state legislator Craig Horn decides to become mayor of Weddington. In a three-way race. In a three, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Bill Dieter was the former mayor running against him. And I had no idea he was interested in that. And I couldn't even remember why he wasn't a state legislator anymore. Because he retired and gave it to David Willis. Oh. Remember? I, no. Because David was going to primary him if he didn't quit. Oh. Uh, Horn is the biggest fan of... Churchill. Churchill. Winston, yes. he, is, he was president of the International Winston Churchill <laughs> Society. This guy is legitimately the, awesome, the coolest dude on the face <laughs> of the planet. Always quoting Churchill. No, he's the coolest dude on the face of the planet. <laughs> and now he's the mayor of Weddington, which is the most suburban little bucolic town on the face of God's earth. Um, but yeah, so those were your locals. It wasn't and then really Harrisburg. Like, uh, Harrisburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Harrisburg, uh, they had a mayor who's been elected since 2013 and um, lost to a lady who uh, acted PTA. Or PTA, PTA person. People are upset about nowhere. people are upset about schools up there. Is that what is that what that is? People are upset about schools up there. That that, that ties into what we're going to talk about with Virginia. So I think that's actually a good so, pitch to Virginia because uh, that's all the local stuff. Though. That's all so, local stuff. Talk, Virginia have yeah, an good, Virginia, yeah, Virginia had an election. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> well, Virginia historically, um, every time there is a major presidential election, they love to elect a governor that is of the opposite party of that major presidential switch for the most part. Except in two thousand and eight and nine. Well, you know, because those were, because um, no, it's, um, weren't those incumbents winning? No. Uh, 2009 was, was when, was the last, 2005 was the last time a Republican won statewide in Virginia. 
and then it was 2009 when the Democrats oh, won. That's, oh so Obama was elected in 08, then it was 09, then it was, what, what's his name first? But no, Virginia, oddly enough, Virginia was, Virginia started to become an issue for the Democrats around Loudoun County and the school board there. Um, say what you will about CRT, I'm not gonna talk about policy stuff. The parents don't like it, very clear. Of the exit polling that came in on that issue, over 57% of voters said that that was their deciding factor. 25% said it was their most important factor. And it was something that for a lot of folks, for them, was a real issue. Also, Loudoun County had a bad problem of not reporting sexual assaults. And there were sexual, similar to Charlotte, you had sexual assaults going on among tra transgender students involved in sexual assaults, and they were not being reported to the police. And when the parents would come and have a problem, the parents instead got reported to the police. So that blew up. And a lot of folks were watching what was happening in Loudoun County, and there was a lot of anger coming out of Loudoun County. But then furthermore, you saw this large backlash, which is normal. Yeah, the first year, second year of an administration is always bad for the, for the party in power. But this, this has been... Um, this has been an unusually strong Which just reaction. shows the irony of politics. Irony of politics. Because we were dead. We were supposed to, yeah, like yeah. Electing yeah. a Republican governor in Virginia. Where Biden won by 10 points a year ago. nothing for national level politics if you don't like Biden. But what this goes to show you is in, in elections, enthusiasm matters yeah. so much. Voter and turnout. policy is important. Policy helps you on the margins. But like the old saying is, it just depends who votes. And people who vote are people who are excited or angry. And usually it's the people who are angry. That's why politics is all about getting you angry, because angry people angry tend people to go vote. Angry people go vote. But, but then again, when you look at what happened, I mean, they flipped, this was not just a big election in Virginia. It was a massive sea change. I mean, they, the, 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 North Carolina, the Virginia Republicans flipped the House of Delegates by one vote, which was, which was I mean, amazing. I mean, Virginia itself, I mean, when you talk about Glenn Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin ran a, an interesting race where he was endorsed by the former president in the primary and then never used it again. Never even talked about it. Never even brought him up. Told him not to come to the state. So you had a completely different style race and people compared what Youngkin was doing to a Romney race, actually. People were saying that the Romney, the Romney rallies from 2012 reminded them of the Youngkin rallies and how that was going. So it was a, but oddly enough, all of his campaign staffers, very little known fact, a lot of Youngkin's campaign staffers were 2016 crew staffers. So you had a lot of crew staffers going up there and working for Youngkin. And the interesting thing about Virginia is, 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 is very similar to North Carolina. There's a very large swath of the Virginia population that is rural. But the vast majority of the population has now begun to center around Alexandria and the area south of Washington. Well, so I, I used to say that Virginia was two states. There's from D.C. So if you ask somebody from Virginia, they'll tell you what part of Virginia and how far away they are living from D.C. Like, I'm not really that part of Virginia, right? And then now there's like this other part of Virginia that wants to be more associated with West Virginia. And they're starting to call themselves the western part of Virginia. So you have the from D.C., you have the center part of Virginia, and you have the, now this western part. And all this kind of ends up interesting into play. Two of those factors uh, would not be strong Biden supporters at this point. One factor would definitely be a strong Biden factor as you got closer to D.C. Yeah. So those, it, it's how, how that, that you play into that in, in that election turnout. But you could also tell that um, 
Youngkin was realizing that his polling numbers were great the entire time. The entire time. He was positive. He never went negative on McAuliffe. Because he never asked Trump to come. Ne- never asked Trump to come. Never wanted to go negative on McAuliffe. Because yeah. he didn't have to go with the get people angry aspect of the vote. He, uh, he, yeah, people were so, already angry. And, and, get, and getting people angry would be like, you know, you start rallying up the people and say, hey, these, the people who typically don't vote in the Trump election, I need to go get them. So I need to get Trump out. He didn't need that. He was good. And you saw at the end um, where the incumbent started uh, getting a little more feisty and start bringing up a lot more controversial issues because his, his, his numbers were trying to fire up his, He was trying to so fire up his base. You can see those polling things behind there if someone is trying to make their base angry mm-hmm. or if somebody can actually run on uh, change in hope because they don't have to play the angry card. Well, and that ties into Virginia and New Jersey as well because Virginia wasn't the only state that had a, had a weird race last night. New Jersey was a state that Biden won by 17 points in 2020, and the Republican only lost by about 1,000 votes. And interestingly enough, in the suburbs, the swing was so bad, the state sent the president, who's a Democrat, is currently losing to a trucker who spent $157. So nobody saw that coming. And that's the kind of stuff that happens when you, when you see an administration that is focused on what they're focused on, which I think is not what a lot of, because look, say what you will about the election of 2020. Most folks didn't want it to be a massive shift left. They wanted it to be a return to what it was, which was respect, normalcy, all the rest of that. People were talking about, we just don't want what we've got now. We don't want to do any, we don't want to go all the way over here, but we, we would like to come back to here. Well, the problem is what they got was all the way over here. And now you're seeing this massive move back to the middle. I mean, this, this is a perfect example. Uh, in Virginia, um, Youngkin got 18% of the African-American vote. 18% of the African-American vote for a group of individuals in the, the party. That's amazing. That's amazing. That, 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 that is an incredible move for a party that, well, and it was funny because when you hear, they elected the first lieutenant, first black lieutenant governor in the history of Virginia, and Joy Reid likes talking about how it's racist. So I'm like, okay, we're not really... We're not, we're not really in sync here yeah. well, on what's one, going on. One is an anger the base issue yeah. that you go and start pushing buttons, right? Yeah. And so you said, right. yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues that are like it. So when you get to, when you talk about an issue, you have to have a conversation. Are we talking about the political game of the issue? Like how we're going to use this to defeat our defendant? Or are we talking about the policy of this issue? Yeah. And most people actually are really close on the policies of issues. It's the gamesmanship of issues that becomes weapons and makes Thanksgiving uncomfortable. Well, and Youngkin, Youngkin really capitalized on McAuliffe saying that parents shouldn't have a say in what their kids are being taught. And that's a policy issue. And that issue. was a policy issue. And it doesn't matter and where he said it, and he said it in a debate. And you can't, yeah. you can't set it flat. Well, well, I don't think parents should be involved in, in, in what their, their, what their, kid, their own children get taught. And it's like, okay, Terry, that was probably not the best. That was probably not the best thing to say. But yeah, no, I mean, and, 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 that's, and that's where when you look at the election results from last night, you can see the, the sea change is coming. And what you'll likely result in is going to be, well, there are two possibilities. The first possibility is the Democrats in Washington begin to moderate. If they do, they may not have as bad a midterm. If they don't moderate and if they don't decide to come back and they ram through the legislation that they're currently talking about, um, 2010 will be a small shock as to what will occur in this country. Because at the moment, in 2010, people seem to forget we had high unemployment. We didn't have inflation. We didn't have shortages. We didn't have all of the things that we're having now. 
the, 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 the fact that we, I mean, go to, an, go to any ABC store and tell me if you think that we're having a, a really robust economy. Yeah, I mean, in fact, you can't even get liquor. I mean, that's just, just amazing to me um, that, that we're having that situation um, and, and that we're having shortages, real life shortages, and, and it's just it's bonkers, nuts. But um, the, 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 as, we t- as we transition into what will be the next year's election cycle, because we will be filing in December, there are going to be new maps. There are going to be new everything. North Carolina will not have statewide elections, but there will be there will be judge races across the state, and there will be general assembly elections and congressional elections and a senate race. North Carolina will again be the center of the country on elections because we will have the swingiest swing race of the state. More than likely, the Republican will win at this point. If you look at where the situation is, and you look at where the results from Virginia, and you look at who's fired up and who's not fired up unless something dramatically changes over the course of the next eight months, uh, and, and the, Republic, the Republicans would have to massively screw something up. But the likelihood of a Republican winning, uh, if Ted Budd runs a Glenn, Ted Budd or Pat McCrory run a Glenn Youngkin style campaign, which is the roadmap now. Like that's where the Democrats are gonna have to figure out and step back and say, okay, Glenn Youngkin won, Terry McAuliffe didn't. We can't do what Terry McAuliffe did. We have to come back and do something different in these southern states and these other states like New Jersey, where we should be winning by a lot, but we're not. So from that perspective, from a business side, the businesses are going to have to look at, look at their candidates. And, and this is a good, a good thing to Charlotte. We'll end with this, and then we'll go into the, the, the preview. The businesses have to hold their elected officials accountable. So when you're a business leader, if you see your elected officials are veering way off base, you have to come in and say, okay, this, no, we're done with this. This can't continue. You have to stop. I mean, if you haven't looked at Nick Osher's recent reporting on that, it's, it's, it's really scary. Like, it's actually one of those situations where you're like, oh, my God. But the business community has to be the one to, to check that. So hopefully the business community will step up and, and provide a balance and a check because it's been done by other folks before. But politics are, are the art of the possible. Most of the time, folks are like, we got to get this done. we got to get this done. And again... The reason why we're seeing all of this disparate belief is because New York and Los Angeles are driving the boat on policy, and you're seeing a lot of voters across the country saying, we don't want that. That's not what we want. We want to go back to where we were. We want to have some form of normalcy. We don't want to, yeah. So, so you've got, you've got this, this conflicting issue, and unaffiliated voters, and this is the last thing I'll say, unaffiliated voters are the swingiest of voters. They're, they are loyal to a candidate as they are loyal to a brand. If the candidate does not do what they want them to do, they will abandon that candidate in a heartbeat. So candidates have to continue to be in North Carolina. When un, in about five years, unaffiliated will be the highest registered class of voter in the, in the state. They will outnumber Republicans and Democrats. So we will be a plurality unaffiliated state. So the unaffiliated are going to be the ones who ultimately swing an election, and the parties are going to be less important. So that that's a that's an interesting trend. Yeah, that's an interesting that's, trend. Like, there's other states that are currently there, Massachusetts. Yeah. Is, is a great example. You look at Charlie Baker, or, or who got elected that. in Massachusetts. Yeah, so, yeah. so you have that. Yeah. I mean, basically, you have what breaks into the 30, 30, 30, 10. So 30% are, are with you, 30% are against you. You're going with the other 30%, and the 10 are going to screw you or, or save you. So, you. so you don't know what that other 10, that, that final 10 that, that is going to do in that. So, Well, thank you, Larry. Uh, this has been wonderful. I appreciate you kind of You're giving welcome. us this recap. This is great. I'll probably take some time here and talk amongst ourselves as as we go forward. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is Michael with the Charlotte Area Chamber. I am looking forward to seeing you at our next public policy committee meeting. 
Have a great day and we'll see you soon.